just like you do. Welcome to Lawyers Are Assholes. I'm your host, Brett Adams, a lawyer, I should say a recovering lawyer, who found a platform to address a broken legal system. This is where we call out incompetent and unscrupulous lawyers, prosecutors, and judges. Anyone that touches the legal system, we're coming after you if you're an asshole. Today's guest is Brian Kavitko. Dr. Kavitko has been a longtime friend of mine. He is the Columbus, Ohio uh, dentist to the stars. Uh, But I know uh, Dr. Kavitko through his ongoing battle with Delta Dental. And we're going to talk about uh, class action lawsuits today. And um, I think you're going to enjoy his take on how we deal with uh, these type of lawyers. Now to our asshole of the week. Now, this, this judge um, out of the Middle District of Georgia is named C. Ashley Royal. Now, I don't know what it is with these guys with three names. I don't know if it's a, if he's uh, anatomically challenged, has an issue with self-confidence, but this is the second podcast in a row I'm dealing with a judge or prosecutor with, with three names. But let me tell you what this asshole did. He fired a law clerk by the name of Caitlin Clark 10 days before her baby was born. Now, uh, let me tell you a little bit about uh, Caitlin Clark. Uh, She graduated 13th out of a class of 123 at Mercer University. She was a law school law review editor, moot court competition coach. Um, And I bring that up to talk about her intellect, which this judge uh, insults her with. But anyway, she had received a raise and an offer to extend a two-year clerkship with this judge in January 2020, and at that time, she disclosed uh, to the judge that she was pregnant. And so follow, follow me along here. So when once she uh, uh, realized, or the judge realized she was pregnant, um, he took a different attitude. Uh, now, this comes out of actual transcripts uh, because she filed a complaint, which we'll talk about. But but this judge uh, meets Caitlin Clark. She's five months pregnant. Meets, meets, uh, ask her to come to his house. This is the actual transcript. Caitlin, I don't know why you're not getting the work done, but I have three ideas. The first one is you aren't smart enough to do the work. Okay, now what a condescending asshole. What, what condescending, arrogant asshole would say that? Well, of course, this judge did. The second one is your heart is not in the job. The third one is because you don't have the intensity to do the job. I don't know which one of it is, but but this is not working out. Uh, now, there was a note taker there who also said that the judge said this to Caitlin. Now, while this may be a good mommy job, work still has to get done. Now, not only is he a condescending asshole, he is a sexist asshole. Now, here's what most people, uh, I'm going to tell you something here that the average person on the street would just, you can't comprehend this. The federal judiciary, there's 30,000 employees, and the federal laws that prohibit workplace discrimination and retaliation do not apply to these 30,000 workers. Now, I mean, you would think of any place that you would enforce this, wouldn't it be uh, as part of, the, part of the judiciary? I mean, it's just, it's incredible. So, uh, so she files a complaint. And I'm going to tell you about my experience in filing a a complaint. And under the federal system, uh, incredulously, she files a formal administrative complaint. And guess who the complaint goes to? It goes to the presiding judge in the neighboring district. This hassle, Judge uh, J. Randall Hall, he actually hears the complaint. 
He doesn't hear it. There's no testimony, but he reviews the facts and basically says, you're fired for poor work performance. Uh, judge has no liability. Now, th- you talk about the fox guarding the in-house. I mean, this this is just insane. This is insane that a a federal uh, review a, a review of a judicial complaint goes to the neighboring judge. Now, what neighboring judge is gonna is gonna uh, pound on a, a judge that he probably knows personally? Now, fortunately, she was able to to to, to find a an employment discrimination uh, lawyer, and they've appealed it. Um, and, and he says it the best. Her lawyer says, in allowing the judiciary to operate as its own investigator and arbiter. There's no meaningful path for a judicial employee to make a confidential complaint, obtain an independent investigation of the complaint, and if so, dissatisfied with the outcome of that investigation, pursue the claim through the means available virtually to every employee. So in sum, you've got a law clerk that uh, gets exemplary marks. I forgot to mention, she got a pay raise. Uh, They extended her um, employment, and she becomes uh, pregnant. You fire her. Uh, 10 days before she delivers the baby. Now, in my opinion, it, it's totally based on she had maternity leave. This this judge uh, went and hired somebody else. I mean, it's outrageous. It's just absolutely outrageous. So you, Mr. Royale, with three names, are the asshole of the week. Welcome, welcome, Dr. Kavitko, to Lawyers Are Assholes. Now, people are going to say, why, 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 why is Dr. Kavitko the, the dentist to the stars here on a legal show, bad-mouthing lawyers. And, uh, but first I want to talk about a little bit of, of our history because you've actually done some, some really good work on some, some uh, clients of mine, um, Ted Williams, The Golden Voice. And, right. then, and then you did uh, Dominique uh, Reingart from, um, from uh, I want to say America's Top Model. America's it Next is, Top Model. It is America's Next Top Model. So you're more into it than – than than I am. So, uh, but anyway, we uh, you became familiar with my, and we've been friends for a long time. And you became familiar with my podcast and said, "Hey, I want to talk about Delta Dental." And so I went and I did some research. And and believe it or not, we we don't just go in there and wing it. We actually do some research um, for these for these episodes. And what I found out was just unbe- just unbelievable. Um, it's just unbelievable. So we're going to talk about class actions, but give us a little over- overview of, of uh, what, what's your issue with Delta Dental. So in 2006, at the end of 2006, they sent a letter to all dentists who were on their list and said, if you're still on our list in 2007, we're going to tell you what you can charge for things that we don't even cover. So they don't pay for whitening, but they we're going to tell us how much we can charge for it. They don't pay for porcelain veneers, but they were going to tell us how much we could charge for it. And I looked it up and I discovered that it had already been made illegal in a couple states. New Hampshire was one of them. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to do this because it doesn't feel right. And so I went off their list. And I'm thinking that within, oh, a year or two, uh, other states will have made it illegal as well, including Ohio, and I can go back on the list. Well... It's, let me think, 2006, it's now 16 years later, and it's still not illegal in Ohio. After about seven years of being off the list, I went back on the list because I felt like I had no choice. Patients were leaving, why aren't you on my list? Why can't I, you know, why aren't you accepting Delta Dental? I said, well, I do, but I wasn't on the list, which means they weren't getting discounted fees. So I I met with uh, 22 different state representatives and senators in Ohio, I spent all kinds of time trying to get them to make it illegal. There have been bills introduced every two years to make it illegal. 
And every two years, it just sits there. It doesn't even get a hearing most of the time. Now, is it safe to say that the primary only reason for that is the dental lobby, the the insurance lobby? Oh, it's very obvious. So, for example, I had a meeting with then-Senator Jim Hughes, who happens to be an attorney, so that might tie into this show, because I wanted to talk to him about it. And uh, we set an appointment. Now, remember, I'm a dentist. And so to do these appointments, they're always during the day. I had to, like, block off patients. It's costing me money. But I felt like I was doing a service to uh, the patients and the dental community. So, but when I show up, the Delta Dental Lobbyist is sitting there in his office already. He didn't tell me she was invited. I didn't know she'd be invited. And that became the most obvious, you know, sign that this was rigged and that the people who write the checks to help them get elected or whatever they use the money for, whether it's tickets to events or whatever. That's why it's still illegal in Ohio. Now, by the way, Delta Dental, the one that is over Ohio, is a, is three states. We have like a large Delta Dental company or group, whatever they consider themselves. And so they're Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. And when I was doing this, I had a map that I would give to each state senator and representative who met with me. They're all willing to meet with you, but then they don't do anything about it. And... Um, There were 41 states that had made it illegal, probably up to about 44 by now. And I'm thinking, what company... Okay, let's put it in my perspective. If I found out there was something that I was doing that was made illegal in 44 states, I'd probably just stop. I would just stop. I'd like, if nothing else, it's morally wrong, right, to keep doing this if it's been made illegal in almost every state in the country. Not Delta Dental. They just keep going. They just keep buying off the senators and congressmen and, you know, state reps. Right. Well, here's here's what I found in in my research, and and I think that I've I've figured out why they really don't care about the class action or how long the class action takes. Like for example, a few years ago, um, California did the same thing that Illinois is doing. We're going to delve into the Illinois case here in a second, but um, they settled that those antitrust issues and and what you're talking about in terms of the payment uh, for sixty five million dollars. Uh, that case goes on for an extended period of time, four or five years. Well, they're going to pay $65 million while they're collecting three or four or $500 million worth of payments they wouldn't have ordinarily collected. Right. So they really don't care. And and it was interesting in the Illinois case because it's not even scheduled. I, I got the scheduling order for this federal uh, federal case uh, uh, in, in Illinois where – the cases, uh, the discovery is not done until mid-2023. Uh, and those Delta uh, lawyers, they don't care. They don't, they don't care. I mean, they well, don't care how long. they're on salary. They're getting paid regardless. Yeah, and they, it's the how long it takes because they're, they're collecting these payments where, where once they reach a, a settlement and they pay out to the class uh, uh, members, you know, minuscule amount of money, which is probably right. what you're looking at. I mean, despite all of this effort, this lobbying effort and the time that you've put into it, I mean, at the end of the day, it's certainly not going to be worth your time because you're the one that's put the time into it to try to make something happen. But what happened? What happened? And did you confront that lobbyist in in uh, in Jim Hughes's office or sure, like say, I, hey, what's going on here? Oh, right? yeah. No, I told her what was on my mind and everything. And she already knew and she didn't uh, care. That's uh, what, she, you know, she's just there to protect their interests. Let me just tell you, you mentioned antitrust. So I don't think people understand there are only two businesses in this country that have an exemption against antitrust laws. It's the insurance industry and the and the uh, sports industry, right? Yeah. You know that because yeah. you're a sports. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how did that happen? In 1945, 
Congress passed the McCarran-Ferguson Act. Now, if you've ever gone to Las Vegas, you'll know that you'll know that you land at McCarran Field. So I think McCarran Field was named after whatever senator or congressman proposed this back in 1945. And the insurance companies went to uh, Congress and said, look, we need to have the ability to talk to each other because this is a new product. We don't know how to price it. We don't know how much money we're going to have to have sitting around. And so we need an exemption. And it all made sense back then because there weren't computers yet, right? There wasn't, it was hard to actually uh, corroborate or collaborate on your data. So they passed the McCarran-Ferguson Act. And so since 1945, which would be, what, 55, 77 years, um, the insurance companies have had this. See, if I get together with the dentist across the street and I say, hey, let's not charge any more than $1,200 for a crown. Well, that's an antitrust violation, and I get, I get in trouble. I would get a prison sentence or fine or both. But insurance companies not only can, but they, they do share. They share all of this information. And now with computers, they know more about me than I know about me. They do. And so one of the things that I've been trying to do is to get the McCarran-Ferguson Act repealed. Now, I happen to, in my other radio show that I've done, I was able to interview Dr. Um, I'm sorry, Congressman Paul Gozar from Arizona. And uh, I think it might be the 16th district. And he's proposed legislation to withdraw that. It's not gone anywhere. I think he keeps proposing it. And so think about it. Here's an example. I had a I decided I was going to switch insurance companies because I wasn't happy with uh, with my the the State Farm. Wasn't happy with them. So I got with my other agent because I had uh, two different, I had like auto here and home there. I wasn't one of the ones that did everything in one with one company. And so I had this little, this literally a little tiny little fender bender. And I thought, you know what? It's not enough to worry about. It's a little, it's a scratch or whatever. I'll, I'll take care of it. And so um, I wasn't going to do anything. And then uh, I found out that State Farm was going to, in my opinion, screw me over on a different thing on my motorhome. And I thought, you know what, to heck with that. Why would I look the other way or why would I pay this out of pocket? I still have coverage for another two weeks, so I turned it in. But I'd already gotten a quote from the new company. Okay, So I knew I was going to be leaving in two weeks. I turned in the claim. So two weeks goes by. I get a call from my new agent. He goes, what about that claim for the, your car? I go, what are you talking about? He goes, you know, the little fender bender you just had with your Mercedes? I said, well, how'd you know about that? Well, they have a clearinghouse. All the information goes right. to a big computer yeah. room. I don't know if people yeah. know this. And so I, now I had to explain that. And it yeah. almost affected my new, the new rates on my new policy. Right. So anyway, yeah, they have way too much latitude, way too much power. And in my opinion, they don't care about your health. They don't, it's my opinion, but all they care about is how much money are they going to make and how can they figure out ways to make more, which would have been this, hey, let's say we're not going to, Pay for things that we don't even cover. Or so, that we're so how tell. does it affect you individually in your in your office? And your if you didn't have, I mean, you have to have them, right? I mean, we're locked into it because we have no choice. They're really good at getting new clients, and so if you if you live in a place like I do, Columbus, where Ohio State University is covered by Delta, um, a lot of other companies, and if you're not on their list, you're really going to be kind of left out, and they know that. But how did they get so big? Who knows? I don't know how they got so big other than um, you know, giving the impression that you have more coverage. Here's the thing. Did you know that, uh, first of all, Delta Dental was started by dentists, six of them, if I remember this right, in about 1960. The reason they started it was because 
uh, up to that point, the insurance industry said, you can't ins- we can't insure dental disease because 100% of the people have it. And they're right. If you take into account uh, periodontal disease, which is gingivitis, which is just inflamed gums, everybody has it. So they said, well, we can't do this and make money. So the dentists decided they were going to prove to the insurance in- industry that they could actually make money. So it was the dentists that came up with, it wasn't called Delta Dental back then, but they said, you know what? Let's figure out a way that we can prove to the insurance companies. How about we have them pay? We won't, we'll pay 100% for cleanings and, and exams and x-rays, but maybe we don't pay 100% for fillings. Let's pay 80%. Let's pay only half of the cost of an expensive item, like a crown or a denture. And then, you know what, to really prove to the insurance companies that they can uh, make money, we'll put a cap on how much uh, they'll have to spend per patient per year. And it was $1,000. That's how it came out. Now, after a few years of this, and by the way, in order to pay a claim, you have to receive a, a request from a dentist. Well, that dentist is now finding himself or herself sending in their personal data to other dentists, right? This was now owned by other dentists, and they didn't like that. So... Uh, there were some dentists who brought a lawsuit and said, this isn't right, This is uh, I shouldn't have to send private information to these other dentists, they're competitors of mine. And the courts agreed and said that they had to divest themselves of this side business, and that's when it became Delta Dental. So back in 1960, that $1,000 I'm telling you about, how many people out there listening know that their dental insurance still only pays $1,000 a year, or maybe $1,500? Well, in 1960... A rent average rent was ninety nine dollars. Gas was twenty five cents a gallon. An average car price was two thousand two hundred dollars. The average house price was twelve thousand dollars. And you know it could go on and on. And and so what's happening now is how how many years tonight? Sixty two years later. Am I doing the math right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. Sixty two years later, they're still giving us nineteen sixty money to pay for dental care. So the reality is, if people would really kind of wake up and think about this, Delta Dental and the other insurance companies, they don't pay enough of the bill where they should have any say at all, in my opinion, of course, any say. Because um, here's what, you know, if you just extrapolate forward using cost of living um, increases, in just 2010, which was the last time I did the math, the yearly max should have been $18,464. Well, that's 12 years ago. It should probably be $27,000 a year, a yearly max, just to equate back to 1960. Wow. Wow. So your legislative efforts went nowhere. No. Nope. Right? And, nope. and um, so basically at this point, you're waiting, you're waiting for uh, potentially the same group of lawyers that did the California case, the, the uh, Illinois case, to come here and do this three states uh, because there, there are basically six states left that, that are not uh, subject to the antitrust uh, regulation, right? Yes. Is that, so you're just you're, so you're waiting for a law firm to come along, and you'll waste further time. They'll make all the money, is right. They usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for example, I you know tell our listeners ab- about this case in Illinois. Um, uh, there's a scheduling order for for those uh, laypersons. Scheduling order is where the court lays out. Uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have this discovery period. Uh, number of people you're going to talk to, number of depositions. With this scheduling order that this 75-year-old judge issued, 75-year-old judge in Illinois, extends this out to, to 2023. But the, the first thing that caught my attention in here was the number of depositions. And, and again, research this judge, administrative judge, not not a real lawyer as most of these federal appointments. They're just not real lawyers. Right. They've never 
practice freaking law. They're probably donors. And and <laughs> so, well, you are because most federal most federal judges, um, former prosecutors, they're 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 political appointees. Right, they're right. political appointments. And and you know whether if you've got a a, a Democratic president, a Republican president, you're going to get you're going to get Democratic. Uh, nominees or, or Republican nominees, and and I've said this before. I don't care if my judge is a Democrat. I'd, I'd like him to be competent, and, right. and I'd like a federal prosecutor that's dealing with significant civil cases um, not to have been their only experience in the practice of law has been federal prosecutions, right. uh, and there's so few of those. I mean, they act like you know they work their ass off, and and you know they prosecute. I mean, a limited number. Of, of people a year and only cases that they know they can absolutely win. It's such a farce. It's just such a farce. Can I interject yeah, a little yeah, absolutely. something <laughs> Without naming any names, uh, we were good friends with a, a couple where the husband was a lawyer and then became a judge. And he was very excited about being a judge. And he would go in and he was working through his docket. And uh, he got in trouble with the other judges. They called him into their office and they said, you need to slow down. You're making us look bad. Stop. Just take Fridays off, go golfing, you know. Yeah. And yeah. the point is, is there's so much more work that could get done in these one-year time frames could be six months uh, if they would actually uh, earn their income. Oh, it's ridiculous. I, Doc, you, when I was practicing— uh, So you it, already know. Oh, no, I experienced <laughs> it firsthand. I mean, I when I was—if uh, you try to find a judge in, in Franklin County, Ohio, a uh, municipal county police judge on a, on a summer afternoon, uh, Thursday or Friday afternoon to—I mean, forget it. You have to go to the golf course for, to find them, right? Forget it. It's it's a it's a joke. It it is an absolute joke because because it, it goes back to there's no accountability, right? And it's just what you just said. I mean, who's gonna? I mean, it's the administrative judge who's actually entitled only because you know he's got elected the same way these other unqualified judges got elected. Who who's gonna tell them they need to work harder? Who's gonna tell them that 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 if somebody a client's paying a lawyer. Uh, by the hour to be there for a nine o'clock hearing, the judge shows up at nine thirty. I mean, who, who, who? What's? Where's the accountability? There is none, it, and that well, costs the that costs the client another hundred and fifty bucks. Right? It, it does, and that's that's why we're doing this <laughs> podcast because we're we're going to call these people out. And by the way, Jim Hughes is a judge now. Uh, yes, yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I I like I like Jim. Oh, uh, we're friends. Pers- we were friends. Yeah, it's at the personally, time. but but yeah, I mean, and and we've had, uh, you know, whether he's qualified or not, whether he practiced law, I mean, you should have actually tried a case before you become judge, and mm-hmm. and so many of these can, and our even our uh, probate uh, recent probate judge who actually like never had a probate case, never had a probate case in his entire career, and he's suddenly the probate judge, so. So anyway, back to back to bad mouthing uh, these class action lawyers and and this judge. So so this judge, this this Elaine Bucklow, um, who who doesn't have the real life experience that we all have, probably not probably, it, she's looked at at the other class action lawsuits, how they've handled them in federal court, and she thinks this is normal, right? Mm-hmm. So so she doesn't care what the schedule is, but if she would. She would have the the uh, business acumen or the courage to sit down with these class action lawyers and the defense lawyers, sit in a room and say, guys, we really need 95 depositions on each side to prove or disprove whether there's antitrust issues here. Do we really need 95 depositions? 
Well, the lawyers are going to say yes because we can bill for all those we ninety-five can hours. Bill for those. <laughs> we can bill for that, and the system allows that to happen because well, you don't have you don't have strong judges that'll say this is bullshit. Yeah, and by the way, I said that wrong. The depositions can go on as long as the attorneys want them to. There's That's no correct. there's no limit. It could be all day. It could be five days. It could be ten days. So it could be thousands of dollars per deposition. Right, right. Especially if you don't have if you don't have a judge that's paying attention to to things. Now, some judges that you know, if you'll call the court and say, "Hey, this this is you know, we've got the information. This is just harassment," and you know, the judge will inter- a competent judge will intervene. But not at this federal level. Not not with with ninety five depositions. You know, you've got you've got a history in these other jurisdictions. I mean, the reality is you could use that same evidence in California as you could. Uh, I don't think dentistry, Doc, you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is practiced a whole lot differently in Illinois than it is California. <laughs> no, it's exactly right? the same. Right? It's exactly uh, the same. So so why why the necessity for because this judge is just either either uh, not a, aware of of it, it doesn't want to challenge the system. I mean, um, I'm not age discriminated, but here, but 75 years old, I, maybe she just doesn't care at this point. Maybe mm, she doesn't mm-hmm. care, and, may, and maybe she's friends with these lawyers on on both sides that are just going to continue to rack up the the fees. But I'm I'm afraid you're going to be in the same you're going to be in the same situation. Oh, uh, I've, I've actually uh, 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 resolved myself that it's never going to um, happen in my lifetime. Well, it's you're not, not going to be better. You're not that old. They'll get this case done. And, and, <laughs> well, uh, that's Illinois. We're not talking about Ohio, Indiana, Michigan. Right, yet. right, right. And then again, when, when you talk about a class action, this is a little bit different. It's, it's corporately. But I want to I want to bring everybody's attention um, uh, to a, a class action case that's going on right now in, in Franklin County, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, where there's a group of lawyers that's representing a class. A class was certified uh, in a period of time uh, in the in in 2011, 13, 14, where women that would go in and be booked into the jail would have their tattoos photographed. Photographed, right? I remember reading about that. So no, they were naked, basically. They were naked. I mean, they yeah. were naked. Okay. Now, how? Um, so the class, the proposed settlement is two and a half million dollars. The lawyers are getting um, eight hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Okay. Uh, the principal original plaintiffs getting fifty thousand dollars, which is chump change. Which is chump change, but the individual class person is getting two thousand dollars. Right now, how the hell is that fair? It's not. It's not. I mean, it, it, and and it 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 isn't. It isn't. And we're going to talk about it at the end when I do my rant about because there is a solution for it. Is you take the lawyers out of the equation. And and not, uh, I don't want government to solve all of our problems. But there's an easier way to do it than than have these lawyers that do nothing but hustle these class action lawsuits. Now, you know, if anybody that's listening is part of this, opt out of this class because you're going to get more than from some of the cases I've heard. You know, you're going to get more than two thousand dollars. Now, here's the other uh, the problem with that particular case is somebody in that jail system, whoever's running that jail, made. This pervert made a decision to do that. Right. Okay. Instead of looking, and of course you want to compensate the people who've been victimized by it, but where's the accountability for that asshole <laughs> that made this rule? I mean, can you imagine if it was your daughter or your wife or something got, got, got arrested and you've got some perverts in the jail taking pictures of their boobs because it's got a tattoo on it? I mean, it's two and a half million, two thousand dollars a person. It, it, that's insulting. 
It's embarrassing. And it's embarrassing that the county, which is going to sign off on this, would, would, think that that's, would think that that's appropriate. So I guess I assumed, and maybe incorrectly, that the person who made that decision, because the county's going to have to pay out millions of dollars, would be losing their job. Am I wrong? Well, I don't know about the person making the decision on the payout, but the person that actually... No, the person that made the decision to yeah. say, let's take these pictures naked. Uh, we should be fired. I mean, yeah, but have they been? Uh, not, not, not to my knowledge. Yeah, not to my, not to my knowledge. But, but there's, but again, there's one person. That, but you know, they're all probably laughing about this. I mean, there had to be more than one person in, in involved. Right. But again, it goes back to one of the reasons that I did this podcast was to try to to really attribute accountability to stupid people or, or people that are making these decisions. So I know we're talking about dental insurance, but I just want to throw out, throw this out as well. So life insurance, it's basically the insurance industry that I think we're talking about. So in life insurance, there are cases where the insurance company knows that this person died, they have a copy of their of their death certificate in the file, but since none of the family members knew they had a life insurance policy, they don't pay out. Now, if you know that your client has died and it's you have their death certificate, you also know where they had the funeral, which means you could you could contact the funeral home get the name and phone number of next of kin and say, by the way, your dad had a life insurance policy. We want you to come down and we'll fill out the paperwork. But they don't. Even if they know the person died and they know how to reach the family, they don't. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we would need, I, I could do a hundred episodes of this podcast on how bad insurance companies are and how bad insurance defense lawyers are. Because I cannot imagine a more despicable job than, than, than trying to limit the amount of money somebody gets in a wrongful death or an accident suit. Now, again, you're going to defend against the fraudulent cases, mm-hmm. the fraudulent Definitely. people that are, but these defense lawyers that um, if, if somebody's got a hundred thousand dollars worth of insurance coverage and that's it. And, and, and on paper, the, the claim is worth $250,000. Why are you spending $20,000 taking depositions and defending the damn case instead of just paying the money right? and just paying the money it's clear that it's two and a half times what they have coming, and if you just give them the hundred thousand, at least it's it, better than nothing. It is, but then if you're if you're a defense lawyer, you're not you're not billing the hours that the firm needs to justify what you're doing, and it's wrong. It's just it's immoral. It's immoral, and I I just couldn't do it. I mean, I could I could have never been a defense lawyer for a cigarette company knowing that you're killing people. I mean, there's just so many. If lawyers would take a moral stand, I'm talking about a criminal case because criminal defense against the government is a whole different animal. But in civil cases, if lawyers had a moral compass, we would have half the cases that we would we would have. Right. I mean, literally. Exactly. Now, I was I was talking to when I was talking to Congressman Gozar and I was telling him about this life insurance thing. I said, why can't we, when you take a life insurance policy out, have it recorded as the county recorder? First thing he said was, well, it's a privacy thing. I said, well, make it optional. Make it an opt-in so that there is a database that whenever somebody dies, people can go to, hopefully family, right, can go and say, hey, did my father have a life insurance policy? So that the insurance companies have to pay out on these policies where they collected money for somebody's entire life and they Mm -hmm. know the person's dead and they know they have a policy, but there's no real way right now for anybody to know about the insurance company. And they're not telling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) not going to tell. What do you think about that? Well, I, registry. Well, I, I agree with you, and I was actually going to tell producer Dan. I, I think I got a co-host. I mean, I I need you as a co-host, Mister, <laughs> now because you, I mean, bringing up bringing up that anti 
trust decision uh, as a dentist, it, I, that was impressive. I mean, that was impressive uh, history you knew about and that? knowledge. Did you know about well, that? Well, yeah, because I, I, I mean, I taught sports law at Ohio State, oh, okay. so I, I know a little bit about the antitrust uh, world and the insurance issues. Um, but the, uh, the the reality is in, in these class action suits is there's nobody that wins, Doc. There's nobody that wins but the lawyers. I know. I know most people don't know, or if but you, they should. Or if you get lucky and you're and you're the happen to be the lead plaintiff, but it's a wrong system. And again, it goes back to it all goes back to the quality of the judiciary, which is in, is horrendous in states where judges are elected. Well, don't forget that it's the attorneys that work for Delta Dental. They're also guilty, right? Because they should be saying to their bosses, "This isn't right." Well, no, you're not putting it all on the judge. Well, they're taking they're taking advantage of the they're taking advantage of the system. Now, that's not something I would do because I'd never represent an insurance company. But when when the judges make it that easy for them, it's hard for them not to just have their hands out and waste all these time on these ninety five depositions. Well, actually, it's ninety five depositions, Doc. Each party, each which party. means that which means all the lawyers, the twelve lawyers and associates that are billing for their for their learning time. Um, as well. depositions. Yeah. So, so you've got all these depositions uh, with all these lawyers in a room saying the same, the same thing. Why, why most of them are doodling because they're not really getting any information that they don't already know. They just, it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a, it, it's a, it's just a, it's a travesty. I mean, it's a tragic, a travesty that, that lawyers can get away from this or get away with this and judges allowing them to do it. The other travesty is, let's go back to dental health for a minute. It's a travesty that people still think their insurance should cover the bill because they'll come in and they'll say, I just want what my insurance covers. Oh, and when I use up my yearly max, I guess I'll wait till next year. So does that mean you only take out two of the bad teeth instead of the third one? It does. Or we only fill, or you've got a cavity that is just a filling today, but if you wait a year, it's going to be a root canal, which will mean a crown also. You take a, I don't know, $150 filling, a tooth that needs that, and you wait a year because their insurance ran out so quickly because it's 1960 money. And now when they come back and say, okay, I'm ready to get that tooth. Now it's like a $3,000 tag, price tag, Mm -hmm. because now it's a root canal and it's a crown and it's also a a filling. And sometimes it's an extraction, which maybe needs an implant or a bridge. And so I try to tell people, you, you won't live long enough to ever get your mouth healthy. Now, did you know that uh, dental disease is the most unmet health need in the nation? Well, I do, well related to that, I do know that, that dentists and, and eye doctors have been, with the same amount of training as an internist, have been the, the stepchild when it comes to the insurance coverage. Right. Right? I mean, you guys, oh. you guys are not getting well, treated like, you know. And here's, here's what, for some reason, the insurance industry takes the human body and treats it like it's a headless horseman. So everything from your neck down, shoulders down, is covered, including podiatry care. See, you can get a corn taken true. off. That's true. I forgot about that. That is true. Corn taken yeah. off for the same you know, coverage that your medical insurance. But boy, if it's above the neck, oh my goodness, it has to be an extra policy. You have to have dental coverage. You have to have mental health coverage. You have to have vision coverage. Why are they allowed to do that? It's all one human body. How can right. they just say, well, we're only going to pay part on this and maybe not cover that at all? And people don't understand, so they think, they come in, oh, here's the thing, you get in a car accident, right? You take, they take you to the hospital, you rack up a $85,000 bill to get patched up, right? It's covered, except for a few hundred dollars. That's awesome, by the way. The reason they can do that is because not everybody's getting in those car accidents. You got people like me that aren't sick, 
are in accidents. But on the way home, you can get in another car accident, go back in for another thirty-five or forty thousand dollars, and that too is paid. Dentistry, you get one thousand dollars, right? Maybe fifteen hundred. Doesn't matter what you need. Doesn't matter how much pain you're in, how many teeth are rotten that you can't eat, can't sleep. Doesn't matter. It's not covered. That I did not know. That's that's incredible. That's that's incredible. But but I, one of the things I want I want uh, the listeners of this podcast to know about not not only what you're doing to try to help the industry and and help your patients get better is I know what you do um, because I've seen your rig. I want you to talk about this monster rig that you have <laughs> that you paid for out of your pocket and and how you serve the homeless community because I I think that's just I, I it's just incredible. So I have this uh, 52-foot motorhome, and when I say that, people think I'm misspeaking because the big rigs that you see uh, for like a a traveling superstar of some sort, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, just pick your famous, uh, somebody famous that's going to go, well, you did the the music stuff, right? So uh, those buses are 40, 45, I'm sorry, 45 feet long. Right. So mine's seven feet longer than the ones that I'm talking about, only because it's it's a truck. It started off as a truck. It's got seven foot engine in front. So what we did is I bought portable dental, and I tried to get funding from everybody and anybody that I could, and nobody, even the dental supply places, the dental, the people that I buy all my stuff from, thousands and thousands of dollars. You know what they told me when I applied for uh, help was they told the sales rep, well, you know, he's a dentist, he can afford to make payments. Even though I was <laughs> clear I was going to be doing it for free, I've never charged a cent for anything I do in the motorhome. So I bought two portable dental chairs, two portable dental lights, two portable dental units, the kind that create the suction and the, and the uh, air and water spray and all that. And so we work right now with, uh, and I did dentistry from the heart at my office for seven years where we opened up the entire 10 operatories and had all kinds of um, volunteers and we just took care of hundreds of people. And over time, over seven years, I also brought uh, Team Smile to town twice, uh, working with the Blue Jackets and... Um, so I'm probably responsible for four or 5,000 people getting free dental care, you know, in, in that decade. But I'm still doing it. So I work with a thing called Make a Day Foundation, and they work with the homeless. They actually go into the homeless encampments, and they drop off flyers. They know where they are, and they bring them in, and they do a haircut, and uh, they feed them. And they have a lawyer that comes and uh, donates their time and gives um, advice to them on how You mean how the they, real lawyer? Yeah, the, the real, real lawyer. lawyer. Yeah. 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 And then um, we do free dental care. And they would have us come every month if we could. But it cost me about between paying my, my employees, diesel fuel, um, payment on the, on the rig, and uh, supplies, it cost me about $5,000 to do an event. And so I have to limit how many of those I can do because, again, I, I've not gotten any help. And the, the ironic thing is, is uh, Delta Dental, I'm going to tie this back in because um, the, one of the ways they got the state reps and senators to kind of be their friend was they told them, look, we've donated $300,000 to Ohio State so they could, um, so we bought their dental bus for them, right? Well, in that one year alone, Delta Dental had withheld $100,000 from me, they had these things almost like the P, the PBM clawbacks for pharmacy. They would take part of our money back, even though we earned it, and they would keep it. And uh, supposedly at the end of the year, if their numbers looked good, they would give it to us, but they never did. And so they donated this bus to OSU with money, my money and two other dentists. And you know how many dentists probably send claims to Delta Dental? So they're like, they're thinking of them as all oh, this wonderful, this wonderful business is helping poor people and so on. And um, money came from me and two other dentists. But I had to buy my rig on my own with no help, right? 
I'm still making payments on it, by the way, but it's really rewarding. My staff um, loves it. They don't love that I make them come back to the office and see patients again. They would like us just to go do it and go home, but I still have to pay the bills, right? So we go in, like, uh, I'll go in to see patients at seven on a day we're going to do this. I'll see patients till 10. Actually, on that same day, I will have gotten up at 4.30, driven the rig. I'm the only one that can drive it because I have a CDL. I've driven the rig and set it up on site, which was either one was at Lineage Brewing, one was at uh, uh, Standard Hall, there's a parking lot right next to it, or wherever they're setting up. And then I go back to the office in time for a 7 a.m. patient. I see patients till 10. Then I leave and I go do this event. And then uh, I'm back at the office for a 3 3 o'clock patient and I work till 6. So I've gotten six hours of patient time in. And in the middle of that day, what would that be? uh, For uh, five hours in the middle, I'm doing free stuff. And that's the only way I can kind of pay the bills, you know? Well, it's it's awesome. I mean, it's really awesome what, what you're doing. I mean, I frankly... I mean, half the reason I wanted you, you here was to talk about what you're doing for these people. I mean, which is incredible. We'll put, we'll put that that information in the show notes. But I wanted to give you a chance to vent, and I wanted to give me a chance to talk about bad class action lawyers and and bad judges. But <laughs> I, I really appreciate you coming, Doc. I think this this is this is educational for people. We'll re- revisit this again. But I wanted you because you're you, you you lived it. You're real life. This is this is a passion. You brought it to my attention. I wouldn't have known about this particular case and, and the scam that they're doing, but uh, really appreciate you being here today. You're very welcome. And just a, a parting note would be for people listening, don't let your dental insurance company decide what's good for you. If your dentist says you need something, don't wait a year, don't wait two years, just try to figure out how to get it. When people go to the auto repair, they know they're going to have to pay the bill. When you go to Kroger's, you know you're not walking out with groceries without paying the bill. People who don't have insurance walk in my dental office knowing they're going to have to pay the bill. And those people are actually better off and tend to be healthier because they walk in knowing there's going to be an expense here. And by the way, people hate paying for things that they need and they don't mind paying for things that they want. Here's an example. You take a car, right? Your car needs transmission work, right? Everybody hates that. And everybody, they're pissed off. How am I going to get around this? You know, you have companies coming to say they're going to help pay the bill for you. And it's like, but that same person might go out and spend 1500 bucks on chrome wheels, spinners, whatever, <laughs> right? And they don't complain a bit because it's something they want. That's we true. complain about things that we need when it comes to paying the bill, but we don't care about things that uh, we want because it's cool, a new paint job or new, you know, fancy whatever. So basically what I'm right. saying is, is everybody should want a healthy mouth. Everybody should want uh, um, to have their restorations fixed, their cavities fixed, their abscesses done. Don't walk around with pus dripping out of your gum, which people do. But you have to fight that. You have to fight that mentality that 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 everybody has that says I've got insurance and oh, it pays for everything. I know. I mean, that's the, the minute it, they tell me that you're fighting that every day, right? Every I mean, day, and on a new patient, you have to be kind of subtle with it because you don't want them to think that it's just me. I'll just say, you know, you know, um, just so you know, insurance right. never pays the whole bill on anything. They don't pay as much as you think. In fact, they're probably going to pay very little. But we'll let the girls up front who understand the insurance and you guys can talk. And, Explain it. Yeah, yeah. So we'll know how much your part's going to be. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's good advice to end this podcast with. Thanks, Doc. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me on. Now to Brett's rant. I, actually, I'm still pissed off about that, that damn judge that fired the pregnant lady. But to the issue at hand, um, and Dr. Vico was really good in explaining his frustration about this process. But We've got to have a better way uh, to deal with these class action suits. I mean, how many how many of you 
uh, have gotten a mailer, and 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 it, it used to be the phone companies or the internet company, or you know, you get a check for a dollar twenty-seven uh, that shows up in the mail because you were part of the million-person class when the lawyers were making millions and millions of dollars. And in the case that we talked about with uh, with uh, the Franklin County and the uh, the perverts that were taking the the, the pictures. Uh, you know, if you're in that class, opt out. You're going to get more than two thousand uh, dollars. You can't tell me that that the public humiliation, the humiliation of having to undress and have some pervert take a picture of your breast, uh, your private body parts. It, it's certainly worth more than than two thousand dollars. But we've got to get back to getting. It, it all comes back to the competency of the judges and the judges to to be able to control these class action lawsuits. Who are in the class? How much the lawyers are making? What the defense uh, is? And until we have that competency, uh, and even the case we decided at the federal level, that that judge is simply not competent to understand that you don't need ninety-five depositions on each side to determine the outcome of this case. So we've got to figure out a better a better system, guys. But but class actions they suck, they suck. That's my rant of the day. Uh, And as always, thanks so much for listening to Lawyers Are Assholes.